God's word teaches us we lean into that. But how we lean into that and embrace the struggle is by finding hope in Jesus Christ. He is our deliverer. Church, I want you to know that. He is our deliverer. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I can recognize when I'm breaking the law. So one reason the law is good is because the law reminds us that we are not. So we struggle because of what we know about the law. But there's a second thing. Paul reminds us we struggle because what we know about ourselves. What do we know about ourselves? Well, we know we are sinful, carnal, and difficult people. Remember what it says in verse 14? We know the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Now, that's not something we repeat often in church. What does it mean we are unspiritual? Well, we know we break the law. Paul even talks about that. He, he talks about the reality that he saw the law and recognized he broke the law. Did you know that surveys say that most people think you're going to be okay if you just follow the Ten Commandments? Most people think they'll go to heaven if you just follow the Ten Commandments. But the same surveys say most people can't name a commandment. Isn't that interesting? You can't obey or you can't keep what you don't know. We know the law, but we recognize the law can't save us. It just shows us we need to be saved. That's why the more Paul understand the law, the more he saw what a sinner he was. It exposed his sin. It showed him his need. And so he would eventually say, I'm the chief of sinners. How do we know we're unspiritual? Because the law exposes our sin. Let's go back to verse 7. Look at what it says. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. And once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment, put me to death. And this is one of those passages in the Bible, if you just read it through one time, you're like, yes, uh, what did that say? And so let's, let's just talk about it a little more. What is this saying? It's reminding us that the law speaks not just of external behavior, but also internal attitudes. I know this because Paul says, I wouldn't have even really begun to understand the law if it had not been for that last commandment. Again, I'm not going to ask you if you know the Ten Commandments, but the last one is, thou shalt not what? Covet. Now think about that. If I kill somebody, other people are going to know it. If I commit adultery, other people are going to know it. If I lie, the Bible says what we cover will one day be uncovered. Other people are going to know it. And that's true of all the commandments because they're reflected of external behavior until 
you get to number 10. And I can covet and nobody know it. But what Paul said, this internal attitude of disobedience will ultimately reveal itself outwardly. So here you are. You find yourself as one who knows the law. And yet you find yourself breaking the law. Remember who's writing this. It's the Apostle Paul. What was his resume concerning the law? One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Philippians chapter 3. Paul's going to tell us to press on. But before he does that, he says this in verse 5. I was circumcised when I was eight days. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. Sounds kind of humble there, doesn't he? I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law, what? Without fault. That's what Paul is saying about himself. And yet here he's saying, it wasn't enough. I'm always going to fall short. Even Paul found himself deceived by sin. It's a struggle, isn't it? Isn't it? And it drives us crazy. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 15. I think you can relate to these verses. I do not understand what I do. Can anybody ever felt that way? I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's the sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good. Now notice what it says. But I cannot, say cannot. I cannot carry it out. I love the way the New Living Translation describes verse 14. Listen to this. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I'm too human, a slave to sin. Say this with me. Say, the trouble is with me. Yes, so... Part of understanding this struggle is, is realizing what causes the trouble, struggle. And, and the struggle begins because of what we know about the law. There's a standard out there I'm supposed to obey, and it's good. And then the struggle continues because of what I know about me. I, 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 I'm a sinner. And then the struggle continues because of what I do. So you've got to ask yourself, do, do you know who you are? My friend Billy here has helped us get Celebrate Recovery going in our church. And, and one of the things about Celebrate Recovery, like Alcoholics Anonymous, is you, you have an opportunity to stand up and say, hey, I'm, I'm Paul. Celebrate Recovery, you might add something like by the grace of God or something pointing to Jesus. But you would then say, I'm an alcoholic or, uh, or I'm a drug addict. Or, or, or you would acknowledge your need, whatever your hurt, your habit, or your hang-up was. And so part of what we've got to do in this struggle to lean into the struggle, you've got to realize where you are. 
Because where you are affects what you do. We struggle because of what we do. Look at verse 18. I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. It's the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. That's the inner me. That's me. Remember Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde? But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. Remember how you think? And making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And so what do we do? Paul calls it seizing the opportunity to sin. So sin puts itself before you. And all of a sudden you realize, all right, this is my chance. I can meet my own needs. I can feel better. I I can do this my way. And we blow it. We lose the battle again. Such a struggle. We struggle because of what we know about the law. The law is good and it points us to God. We, we struggle because of what we know about us. We, we're sinners. And then we struggle because of what we do. We carry out sin in our life. Even though we know that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, even though we know that he was buried, he rose from the dead, and he lives today so that we might live in newness of life, we still fall short. So what's the, con- what's the conclusion? <laughs> We're a mess. Say this. Say, say, I'm a mess. That's the way I feel. And so how did Paul say that? He didn't say it exactly like that. Look at verse 24. What a wretched man am I? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? What a wretched man am I? Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says the Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. We don't use that word wretched a lot in our everyday language, except when we sing a pretty familiar song. Even people that don't go to church know this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved uh, what? Wretch like me so Paul understanding what the law meant Paul understanding who he was Paul understanding what he kept doing said I am a wretch 
And in some ways, it's quite liberating to acknowledge that, isn't it, Billy? To say, there's a struggle going on, guys. That's the beauty when a, a, a group of support comes together and, and they can stand before each other and say, hey, I'm Paul, saved by grace, but I'm a wretch. Notice the question after that. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? In Romans, Paul asks 61 different questions. That's kind of his rhetorical style. He, he does that again and again to help us think. Who, who, who will deliver me? And notice what he says at the end of that. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Aren't you thankful for that truth? Look at verse 25 in the New Living Translation. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Whatever you're facing, no matter the struggle, the answer is Jesus. That's the one thing I've told you. Every Christ follower struggles with sin. God's word teaches us we can lean into that. We can embrace the struggle. How? By finding hope in Jesus Christ. He is our deliverer. Praise the Lord. You're going to battle. You're going to struggle with sin. You're going to feel like a failure. But Jesus is your deliverer. So I would say, yes, we understand the struggle because of what we know about the law. We understand the struggle because of what we know about ourselves. We, we understand the struggle because of what we know about what we do. But, but when we struggle, we struggle with hope. Never lose hope. What does this mean? This passage, Romans 7, it gives us both warning and comfort. What is the warning? The warning is this, Christ follower. Remember, he's talking to Christ followers. If that's you, bad news. You're not going to get to the point on this side of heaven where you stop sinning. I wish it were different. But remember those stages of salvation? When we are justified, we are saved from what? The penalty of sin. When we are sanctified, we're saved from the power of sin. It's not until we're glorified face to face with Jesus that we're saved from the presence of sin. So we're going to have this struggle on this side of heaven. That's the warning. But there's comfort. The comfort is to encourage us that even for a Christ follower, these sinful choices, these relapses, they can be consistent with who we are. We just have to embrace who we are. Wretched man, wretched woman. Paul is saying the life of this wretched man is not as good as it could be, but it's not as bad as it could be. I love what John Piper said about this passage. He says, we do not live in continual defeat. Don't live that way. If you do that, you're not looking to Jesus with the hope as your deliverer. Do not live in continual defeat, but we as Christ followers also we don't live feeling like we have continual victory. We have victory, but we don't always feel that way. That, that's why in Romans we've said we're not guided by our feelings. We're guided by the facts. 
This doesn't excuse our, our sinful choices. Rather, it exposes it. And when sin is exposed, what happens? Well, we either get comforted or we get convicted. So as we're talking about this day today, you're probably in one of those two categories. Because remember, all of us are still struggling. So when you look back at, just take this week, the sins in your life. Have you experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you are out of God's will? Have you repented of, of those sins and applied his forgiveness to your life? If so, then have you received his comfort to know that his grace is sufficient for you? We're about to the Mount Everest of all of the Bible, Romans chapter 8. And that's going to continue to discuss this issue. But before we get to that, Paul kind of, I, I think, gives us some cries of the wretched man or the wretched woman. Let me just give those to you and we'll leave. The first cry of the wretched man or woman. Lord, help me to love the law. A, a friend of mine says when, when there's something out there that you wish you did, Ask God to help you love those things that you wish you loved. One of the things we're, we're saying is, God, help me pursue holiness. Lord, help me to love the law. That, that's one of your handlebars, the, the practical application of this message today. Lord, help me to, to seek after the things that bring you pleasure and that bring you honor and that that. Bring you worship. God, help me to see you as holy and as a result to pursue holiness in my life. Lord, help me to love the law. But then secondly, Lord, help me to hate sin. Not the sins of others. Warren Wiersbe says we're good at looking at sins, but we're not great at dealing with sin. Lord, help me to hate those things that dishonor you in my life as much as you hate those. Maybe you're struggling with something today and, and you just need to change your, the way you're praying about that. God, take away this desire. Let, let, that be, let that be awful to me. Do whatever it takes to cause me to hate sin as you hate sin. And then that cry of deliverance. That's the third thing. Lord, deliver me. Lord, deliver me. Do what only you can do. Deliver me. Why is it only God who can deliver it? Isn't it up to you? If it's going to be, it's up to me, right? Is that how I get a brand new me? Just by reading self-help books and doing everything I can? No. Why? Look again at what he said in verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from what? This body that is subject to death. Paul was from Tarsus. Tarsus under Roman rule would have had a practice that I think Paul understood. If an individual committed murder, one of the ways they were punished was that that murdered victim would be attached to their body. Chained to their body. 
And they would drag it around. Until you know what would happen. Some of you with medical knowledge. The decay. The disease. The death. Of that body. Would spread to the one that they're attached to. I think Paul was saying. I'm, I'm wretched because though I, I've followed Christ, remember his testimony, he, he knelt on that Damascus road, he looked into the eyes of Jesus and he followed him. But he said, I'm chained to this old me, this dead me that I'm dragging around. Who will deliver me from the body of death? You'll never do that on your own. Some of you are struggling with habitual sins and you're wondering, why can't, I, why can't I deal with it? You'll never do that on your own. But thanks be to God. He's our deliverer. Some of you are wondering, why here in Champa Bay would I have this L.A. Dodger helmet on the table? I was 12 years old. I went to a Dodger game at Dodger Stadium. I saw Fernando Valenzuela pitch. Coach Tommy Lasorda was out there. I went back to Dodger Stadium this summer. It was it was kind of remember that's where I got this helmet. Had to buy some nachos or something to get it. I loved watching Tommy Lasorda back in the day. And the reality is Tommy Lasorda had some struggles. But in an interview with Sports Illustrated he describes something that I think can be helpful to you in understanding this point. He, he said, there came a day where I took out a pack of cigarettes from my pocket and I stared at it and it said, who's stronger, you or me? And I said, I am. And I stopped smoking. And then he said, I took out a vodka martini. And I said, who's stronger, you or me? And I said, I am. He said, I stopped drinking. If you know who Tommy Lasorda is, he's kind of a big fella. He'd wear that baseball uniform, but he's a big boy. He said, but one day, I, I looked at a plate of linguine covered in clam sauce. And he said, who's stronger, me or that plate of linguine? And he said, one of those little clams looked up at me and said, I am. He never overcame that battle. And listen, no matter how hard you try, you may win some battles. But you can't do this on your own. You can't be your own deliverer. Every Christ follower struggles with sin. God's word teaches us we lean into that. But how we lean into that and embrace the struggle is by finding hope in Jesus Christ. He is our deliverer. Church, I want you to know that. He is our deliverer. So some of you today just need to say, Lord, deliver me from addiction. Lord, deliver me from lust. Lord, deliver me from a hateful and, and gossiping tongue. Lord, deliver me from gambling. Somebody may need to pray, Lord, deliver me into salvation. 
Whatever you cry is, you cry, O wretched man, O wretched woman. Cry with confidence. He is our deliverer. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.